it's the next level. It's all in your head, my friend. The second you closed that window, your brain popped a gasket. You went back into your little coma thing, and that's where you are right this very second. In your own private Idaho, inside Santa Rosa. No, I had my mom, my friend Johnny. I won the lottery. Whoa, wow. Awesome, dude. What numbers did you play? Leonard's numbers, right? From the hospital, what a coincidence. You uh, seen him around anywhere else? The hatch. Bingo, the hatch. With the button that you gotta push every 108 minutes or the world ends. Oh, 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 and, and what's the code for the button? Oh yeah, the numbers. But I got better. I changed. Changed? What are you kidding me? Take a look at yourself. You've been on a deserted island for over two months and you haven't dropped 10 pounds. How is that even possible, man? I just destroyed my stash. I've been exercising. Libby says it won't happen overnight. Oh, right, right, Libby. The mega cute blonde chick who magically appeared from the other side of the island. Oh, oh, oh yeah. And who just happens to have the hots for you. Welcome, everybody. This is We Have to Go Back, Lost Revisited. I'm Kristen. And I'm Ben. Uh, this week, we're diving further into our second season rewatch as we cover season two, episode 18, Dave. Dave! <laughs> and maybe you are listening to a very different order of voices this week, and that is because I'm going to start leading some of these suckers. And I'm totally fine with that. I actually like the idea of us switching off every once in a while. Well, it feels weird. I like it, but it feels weird. <laughs> well, it's because it's the first time. We got to get into it a couple more times. And, you know, it's uh, I don't want to feel like I mean, this is our podcast. It's not, you know, my podcast with you as a co-host. We're both <laughs> I've hosts. never felt that way. I know you haven't, but <laughs> I, I want our listeners to feel like it's it's both of our podcasts, too. So, OK, so that's why we're going to we're going to switch off every once in a while, which is, I think, I think it's going to be fun. I think it'll be fun, too. Now, you be quiet. It's time for me to talk. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, just a quick word about spoilers. We um, we are a spoiler-full podcast, meaning that we do talk about anything and everything that has happened, will happen, or might happen um, in the entire series of Lost. And podcasts are released every Friday without fail, so check your podcast app or service or whatever it is that you use to see the podcast on Fridays, which is when we release it. And uh, yeah, so with that monstrosity of an introduction, let's just get back into the episode. <laughs> I like how you say without fail, too, as we've missed like two weeks over the past month. But, you know, well, going forward, we're going to try our best to make sure no more misses. So... Yeah, well, yeah. I needed a break after House Podcast. Yeah, after um, after Game of Thrones ended, 
Oh, and so, I need, I needed it after like talking about four season finales for the Arrowverse shows. Yeah, sometimes we need to not talk. <laughs> yes, as and I'm sure okay. our listeners feel about me sometimes. You know, I think that we all get a little sick of each other and ourselves, and it's okay to take a break. I I never get sick of you. I'm not lying. Like I, it's one Aww. of the reasons why. Like every time we record. This is just a little insight in, like, behind the scenes. Every time we record, we're always like, we need to get started right away. There's at least 30 minutes of banter. A half hour later, we're finally starting. Yes. We we were actually watching videos of cats and dogs. Murdering each other. uh, Murdering each other down flights of stairs. (laughs) And wagging their tails at the same time. It's amazing the little stupid things we do to get ourselves, like, geared up for podcasting. But I love it. (laughs) Me too. Um... So, Dave, Hurley-centric episode, and we're almost finished with season two. What did you uh, What did you think about the episode? You know, it's it's an interesting episode because I love Hurley-centric episodes just because I love Hugo, and this is one of those episodes that I felt a little. It takes a little bit more of a serious turn when it comes to Hurley. You know, we've we've mentioned in the past that Hurley is. One of those characters that provides a, lo- a lot of comic relief to the series. He, he lightens the mood. And there are certainly some moments of that in this episode. But for the most part, there's a little darkness to this episode. I really like that. I, I love the fact that we got some layers to Hurley this week. It's not just the comic relief and the, um, you know, the lottery thing. It's also that he does have this kind of tortured past and he does struggle with some some mental illness. And, you know, Char- as a comparison, Charlie is a is somebody who has a layered past, but it's always been this tortured, like selfish driven um, woe is me kind of attitude. And when you look at Hurley's past, he is he is absolutely devastated by the things that he's done either accidentally or on purpose or, or whatnot. And, and you can see that, that he's really come a long way from what he used to be. And I, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate that he snaps in this episode as well. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that too. And even when it comes to his snapping, I have a note about that, which we'll get to a little bit later, but that was, uh, when we, when we mentioned the snap that Hurley goes through, I, I assume we're talking about when he fight, when he just attacks Sawyer. This is the best the moment. Oh of my the god! Episode. Okay, okay, that's Jin. I'm just gonna go right into that then. If, okay, if yeah, right. do it. Yeah, yeah. It, that that fight scene, while there's a lot of implication behind it, because yes, it is Hurley finally snapping, and like it reminded me of a couple different things when I witnessed this. First off. Jin standing there smiling as he's watching it and he's laughing. I I was dying. Like I was hysterical watch just at Jin's reaction alone. But I mean there were a couple other things that were running through my head. I loved the uh the literation that they used of with the tarp over top of them and every time Sawyer's trying to escape, he just gets drugged back under the tarp. Like it reminds me <laughs> of like just a bad horror movie. <laughs> which I was laughing at that too. But the other thing it reminded me of too is <clears throat> you know, there's a scene where 
the camera is looking up at Hurley and he's like beating down on Sawyer and he's like just spouting off all the nicknames like Stay Puff and and everything. It reminded me of the scene of Ralphie from A Christmas Story where oh, he's yeah, just yeah. cursing and like smacking the bully around because that's exactly what it is. Like Hurley just snapped on the bully and he's going after him and. I understand this is a serious moment because this, as you mentioned, is Hurley snapping, but there was so much humor to the scene. Maybe there shouldn't have been, or maybe they didn't intend for there to be, but to me, there was. Oh, I, I think that it was absolutely supposed to be intended to be funny, which is why they had Jin laughing, laughing. in the background. I think that that was, <laughs> that was a clue to the audience that it was okay to laugh, just because, you know, Sawyer had... This was a long time coming for Sawyer, the way that he treats people. I mean, even even his racist slur about, you know, oh, I could open up a mini mart. Do you know if Saeed's <laughs> looking for a job? Yeah. You know, it's just it's stuff like that where where you understand where it's coming from. Sawyer is is who he is. But at the same time, you know, he's gotten away with saying a lot of those types of things to everybody on the island. And who better to beat up Sawyer than the one guy that's that is universally liked on the island yeah well right? I mean, even even earlier on in the episode he sawyer gives hurley yet another nickname when he calls him deep dish <laughs> you know i i understand their bullying moments but they still make and i hope this doesn't make me come across as a bully because i laugh at those moments but i find them funny you know it's i when he calls him deep dish, when he calls him, you know, Jabba, like, I understand their disparaging remarks. But f- for some reason, just coming from Sawyer, I-, I find them humorous. I think that we all laugh. I think it's okay that we all laugh. But I do think that there is a time to rib somebody and there is a time to pull back. And Hurley was, Hurley was coming to Sawyer. I don't know why he was doing it. Sawyer was not the person to come to about this, but, uh, well, he Hurley was meds. coming to oh, yes, but you know there there were other people that could have been more delicate, like going to Kate. Maybe Kate seems to be able to get stuff from Sawyer. I just um he came to he came to Sawyer so vulnerable, um that you know in, in the past it's worked for for Hurley. You know people are like okay we're gonna treat you with kid gloves, but Sawyer's going to treat everybody the same like crap. Yeah. So, um, you know, it it was just it felt so good to watch that guy get beat up. I love Sawyer. I think he's wonderful in every way. But man, did he deserve that ass kicking? <laughs> yeah, he did. And like I said, it was just a lot of fun. I, other than Jin laughing at it the whole time, I just loved those pulling back under the tarp moments i just thought they were having fun with that scene and yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) sawyer crawling out and then just getting drugged back under the tarp was just oh god i loved it so much kate's reaction to to talking to him later too was fantastic she's like so hurley hurley be you up for no reason unprovoked that's what you're telling me right now and sawyer's (laughs) trying to put his tent back together and it's just nothing's going right it was awesome he was just he's like he's crazy man it's like when uh you know in the past when you know a guy would break up with a girl and they they'd be like oh well she's crazy yeah you know 
Why'd you break up with her? Well, she's crazy. Well, did you do anything? No, she's crazy. Did you cheat on her? Well, she's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Like it was one of those conversations. So I appreciated that for what it was. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I love it. What else do you have? Well, I want to, you know, I just wanted to say, too, that it it doesn't, there's not really any meaning behind this. At least I can't find any if there is. And I'm in that whole state of mind now where I'm overanalyzing everything. Uh, This is another episode where there was no previously on. Uh, You know, a lot of the times we get those little previously ons that kind of say to where this episode is going to tie into. And maybe it's just because there really wasn't anything to kind of tie into this was a little bit of a story that kind of i guess stood on its own so there really was no need for it previously on this time i don't know yeah that's true it could be a standalone episode we didn't really need any other background information i mean the only thing that i think we really needed to know was um what happened with ben in in the hatch but they kind of summarized that yeah, you know when when Saeed was questioning uh, Ben. So I mean, we we could actually switch over to that real quick because that's one of my points is okay. um, talking about Ben. So Ben Ben decides to inject a little truth into all of his lies. I think. What 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 do you think about that? <clears throat> um, in what regards would you say that this time to this episode? Well, he did say, you know. He said that the guy with the beard, who we now know is Tom Friendly, that he's no one, that um, there is a there is a boss, a he, which we will learn later. Uh, ben is talking about Jacob. Um, he doesn't want to talk about how many people that there are. He he keeps changing his story a little bit, but he leaves little nuggets, just little teeny nuggets of truth in all of his lies. And those are the parts that he's really scared of. He's scared of Jacob. He's scared of of the the boss that he serves. And and that's something that we learn much later in the series. Um, so we know that there's something sinister out there and we kind of get that confirmation, but we also know that Ben still isn't telling the truth. And especially after watching, you know, the whole series a couple times, like so many of us have done. What's interesting is that while he's injecting a little bit of the truth into Saeed and, and Anna Lucia, he decides to lie to Locke because he's earned some trust with Locke. If that makes any sense, it, like it, I think it, I don't. I don't really know if it's. I think he knows he can manipulate Locke. Yeah. Locke is easily manipulated, and because in Locke's mind, uh, in Locke's mind, Ben or Henry uh, has. I think we can call earned, him Ben at this point. Yeah, Ben has earned some trust with Locke uh, after the incident at the hatch last week, and because of that, I think he knows that he can put all of his manipulation efforts into Locke to get to some sort of an end game that he's trying to work out. But first he needs to save his life. And that's where some of the truth has to come in with Saeed and Ana Lucia. Yeah. And even when Ana Lucia was what like took the gun away from Saeed and, you know, was like, Hey man, this isn't what we do. Saeed, you need to go. And Ben's like, thank you. And she's like, no, you need to shut up. Well, I find <clears throat> I find it very interesting too in that particular scene, and I I think you're right. I think there's, I, I think it is he 
is the way he is with Locke because he knows he's already in Locke's head. Like, he's... He's already gotten what he needs out of Locke, or he's gotten to be where he needs to be with Locke, in that he's now made Locke question everything. Uh, you know, Locke second guesses everything. He's he's starting to believe Ben, and you're right, he's gotten that trust out of Locke already. Uh, but going, you know, <clears throat> back to that scene with Saeed and that whole interrogation, I find it very interesting that it seems like Ben is over his head when it comes to Saeed. Like, Saeed... Not only is Saeed not believing his lies, but Saeed is kind of confronting him on everything. You know, when he reads that note from Henry off the dollar bill. That uh, shook him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And even, that was awesome. Even to the point where, you know, we see, you know, Saeed with the gun. Saeed 110% was ready to kill Ben. There's no question in my mind. This was not a scare tactic. This no, he was pulled a, the trigger. Yeah, and it was because of Anna Lucia that he wasn't killed. He was 110% like this was not a scare tactic. He was going to kill Ben for not giving him the answers that he wanted. And I, I, it's very interesting to note, too, that there have been times in the past where, you know, Ben has spouted these lies and... You know, it's it's gotten in people's heads, and the final moments of seeing Ben before the door closes or before the camera moves is Ben showing this look of like content that he knows he's getting what he wants. After this moment with Saeed, when Anna Lucia closes the door, there's no reason for him. Once that door is closed, there's no reason for him to put on a different face than what he's really feeling. And when that door closes, he is frightened. Like he right. is, he is shook as you mentioned. He is scared for his life at this point. Like he is looking visually relieved that Anna Lucia did what she did, and he is still alive. Mm-hmm. And I think you're right. I think that finally got to him. That he is, I, and I think that's one of the reasons why when we get that scene with him later on in the episode, and we get to that conversation that he is having with John. He's back to a point where he feels comfortable because, as you mentioned, he's already gotten in John's head. And there's no there's no questioning what he's talking about. He is stern in what he is saying about the numbers and pushing the button. And he is dead on serious. Like, he has to make this believable to John. Yeah, he is, agreed. He is firm in what he is saying. There's no reaction in his face. He's just flat out saying what it what what happened. Yeah, John never should have gone in there. No. And it makes me wonder, does John even... I, I guess John is just oblivious to the fact that he doesn't... I guess John just doesn't see that Ben's already in his head. Well, I mean, to be fair, we've seen a big setup to this. You know, um, the writers have set up this manipulation in the fact that a lot of people throughout this entire season have used Locke to manipulate him to get to Jack to get what they want. You know, keeping Locke and Jack at odds by manipulating Locke against Jack, it has been a tactic of the entire group. So Ben, who is a very good observer and has listened to them for, you know, who knows how long at this point, he, he's, got, he's got the magic formula on how to get what he wants, and that's by manipulating Locke. So it's kind of cool to see that this, this manipulation tactic that we've been seeing in little parts throughout throughout the season is kind of coming to fruition on what the end game of, of doing that is. Yeah. 
Yeah, I can I can see that as well. Uh, you're right. I mean, this is something they've been leading up to for a while. But I mean, even in this episode too, like it, you know, putting Jack and Locke at odds. I guess I can kind of feel a shift in that a little bit, and I think I think even Locke can sense a shift in that. Like I think they've been on equal footing, which is one of the reasons why they've been so, you know, but they've been butting heads as much as they are. <clears throat> but I think John kind of feels like he's lost a little bit of leverage in this, especially because of his legs with everything that happened in lockdown last episode. Because now we're getting that scene where, you know, Locke is on the bed, Jack is tending to his wounds because Jack has to step up as a doctor, even though he doesn't like John or might not respect John. He kind of has to fulfill his obligation as the as the doctor on the island and and tend to john but we get that moment where jack even offers like putting him in the wheelchair and Locke is dead set against it and you know jack or kate offers the crutches and he takes her up on that i think he sees that as in i'm losing i'm I'm losing my leverage like i first off i don't want to be put back in that position of being in a wheelchair because that makes him feel weak right and uh, that's totally understandable um, but I think it's one of the reasons why he does go into the room with Ben towards the end of the episode is because he feels like he needs to get his edge back. So he, and you can see the frustration. Absolutely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I just don't. It was I, a mistake I, to do it. I, yeah, it was. Well, you know, and Jack to come in and he says, you know, hey, I'm handling it, yeah, John. It's and, like, John, it's like, Jack, it wouldn't have taken 30 seconds to maybe just say, hey, listen, let me do this real quick and I'll bring you up to speed. But they're both in a perpetual pissing contest. Yeah. Well, I mean, you can see the frustration in in John after that moment happens because, you know, Jack comes out and says, I've got this handled, walks away. And the moment he walks away, like John is pounding, like he he smacks his hand on the on the bunk bed. He's frustrated about this, but because he knows that he's losing control of the situation, and I and I it, yeah. like he had any to begin with. I don't think either one of them has ever had control, but well, no. but I think in Ben that, walked in with control. <laughs> yeah, but what I think in regards to that too is while Jack feels like he, while John feels like he's losing control, a control that he never had, I feel like at the quite the opposite that Jack feels like he's gaining control. Yes, absolutely. Yes, mm-hmm. because he I knows John is helpless. Mm-hmm. So this is just going to boost Jack's ego even more. And what a bummer, you know what? What a bummer that these two men who have incredible strengths to the other's weaknesses, if they had just learned how to work as a team, I think that this group could have been unstoppable. No, I agree with you. I I, I totally agree with you. It's just a shame. So it's, it's frustrating to watch at yeah. times. <laughs> yes, agreed. Agreed completely. Um, yeah, so that's all I really have on... Yeah, no, that's all I have. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, we're we're seeing why, why Locke's manipulation throughout the entire season was kind of important to set up for this upcoming arc with... Ben and Locke and just the rest of the group. So yeah. that's what I got. What do you have? What well, What's another thing that you have? I, I don't know if this has ever been confirmed yet or not, but has it ever been revealed whether or not Ben was telling the truth about the button that he never pushed it? Or do what do you believe at this point? Do you think? I that, think he pushed it. I think so too. I think we he, saw what happens when you don't push it. 
Oh, that's right. Yeah, so he would have had to have pushed it. Yeah. So, okay. And But see, and that makes, and this is why I'm thankful that I don't remember because there are, because I can't wait to, to remember and, and see it again. But I'm wondering what, oh shoot, I think I lost the thought. Hang on. <laughs> that happens every once in a while. Oh my gosh. You were, oh. t- you were talking about what happens no, when the button I- isn't pushed. Yeah, it's literally gone. Oh, okay. Anyways, I'm thank- thankful that I don't really remember what happens, I guess. What the hell was I about to say? <laughs> it was really it was really cool, too. It's never coming back. That's not that's a thought that's not coming back. So let's just move on. <laughs> All right. Well, if at any point it happens to come back, just jump right into it. Just say, "Hey, I remember it," and we'll jump right into it. It's fine. Promise you it won't happen. <laughs> <laughs> um I want to talk just for a quick minute about the food drop again because yeah let's do that we mentioned it last episode that you know that's how the episode ends with jack and kate finding the food drop and now you know we we get this episode kicked off with hurley showing libby his stash and which was like we i think we as viewers kind of thought like okay he's got like a pack of crackers here you know a a jar of ranch dressing there you know he's a pantry he's got a whole pantry he's got a he's got a tree plant pantry yeah but, I mean, I find it, like, and I can totally understand, you know, when Libby says to him, like, if you want to get rid of it, just get rid of it. And it's very therapeutic for Hurley to just go and, you know, get rid of everything, like, dump out the jars of ranch and tear open the box of, of crackers and and such. I feel so bad for Hurley just from the start of this episode because we get moments throughout Hurley's backstory, whether we've got it already or even more um, I know for a fact we haven't gotten the bad luck episode of Hurley yet, and I feel like that this kind of reverberates to that episode even before we even get to it, because we find out the bad luck that Hurley has, you know, when it comes to, like, catching the flight, and, oh no, we did get the bad luck with the lottery, um, when he yeah. won, like, his mom, her, his mom broke her ankle, and the house caught yeah. fire, and yeah. so at, his grandfather died, his grandfather died. Um, we get a little bit more of that reflected. Like he goes through this whole therapeutic process of getting rid of this food. And then what happens? Everybody comes to the food drop and it's, you know, So I have a thought about this. Okay. Uh, but go ahead and finish yours because I, that was rude of me. Go ahead. No, no, no. It's just, I, I found it funny. I, I found it very comforting in Hurley that he goes through this whole therapeutic session and then I immediately turn to feeling bad about him because now he has to confront this problem completely over again. So I agree. And I started thinking about it and I thought to myself, this has a lot to do with Hurley's sense of freedom, with his feeling of freedom. And and it stems from when you know, he shows Libby his pantry, they destroy everything, and she says, how do you feel? And he says, I feel free. And then Jin runs through, and he's like, da-da-da-da-da, whatever he says, and and son, thank God, is there, and she says, there's something, and we're like, cool, let's follow Jin. And so we all go, and everybody sees that, you know, there's a supply drop, and everybody is, uh, you know, attacking all of the food, and Hurley just looks crestfallen he looks devastated he just got rid of the food he just felt free he felt like he could move on and who does he see he sees dave 
for the first time. Yeah. He felt free and he sees Dave. Now, Dave, and then we, we have the whole journey with Dave. Now, when you look at the flashback, he real when he's in the doctor session and he realizes that Dave is fictional, that he's imaginary, and Hurley decides that he wants to get better. Dave kind of like intensifies. Right. Mm -hmm. Come on, let's go get cheeseburgers and chili fries and let's hop out this window and you have the key in your pocket and let's get out of here. And it's not until Hurley closes that door that he says, no, man, I'm staying because Dave seems to be like this manifestation of keeping Hurley exactly the way that that Hurley uh, is. And I don't know if it's guilt driven. I don't know if it's because I, I don't think that it has to do with the the accident the the porch collapse but i think that the porch collapse probably dove him broke him down even lower than he probably has ever felt and dave probably appeared after that in his catatonic state but every time hurley tries to get better tries to move on tries to be better dave appears and it's not until Hurley basically says, no, I'm not going to kill myself. I'm, I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to go with you. You're a figment of my imagination. And Dave says, well, I'll see you in another life. And he dives off the side of the cliff. I, I think that, that that's where Hurley makes a decision for himself. And I don't even think that he knows that he's making that decision for himself. I think his sub his subconscious makes that decision for himself. And it's not until Libby like brings him off the edge that he can feel safe to walk away from Dave. If that makes any sense. No, it it does. It makes complete sense. So I think it has to do with, with Hurley feeling free, Hurley feeling like, like he can grow, you know, I mean, he feels so, so much guilt over having killed two people. Is it two people? Two people. Yeah. Yeah. He killed two people that I think that that guilt has prevented him from feeling happy, feeling free, feeling like he can have a life out and, and that he can stop punishing himself. And Dave is a manifestation of that. Well, it, it brings up a very interesting question. And this is one of the things that I have in, in my notes. And I'm going to bring this up and then I'm actually going to turn it back over to you because I know you mentioned having this point too because it leads into some feedback that we got on Facebook. Right. And it provides a very interesting question because we do know that Dave has existed in Hurley's life before. We've seen that in the flashbacks. As you mentioned, he kind of was manifested because of the accident that happened. But mm-hmm. now, you know, you bring up the interesting point that, you know, Dave reappears to Hurley when he's on the island after Hurley realizes that the freedom he thought he had has just been ripped away from him with this food drop. It it brings up an interesting question because we've seen this island do crazy things to, to other people. Uh, and I'm going to I'll make an odd comparison once we're done with this thought and once we're done with this this point. But is Dave manifesting himself to Hurley on the island is this a doing of the island or is this something that is totally unrelated to the island but it's just happening to hurley again because this has happened to him in the past that i think is i think if you could look at this two different ways and i think you can kind of see it as both ways depending on which way you approach it Mm -hmm. say that again 
it is the manifest is Dave's manifestation to Hurley on the island the doing of the island, or is this something that has just, or is this something that's happening because it's happened to Hurley before? Like, is that this absolutely has nothing to do with the island? This is just something that Hurley's having to face again. If, hmm. if that makes sense. Well, yeah, and I, I think I think you're right. I think that you can probably run with either. Yeah, I think there's points to both. Yep. Um, but that does lead lead us into a piece of feedback that we got from Gemma Hall. Um, and she says, I had a theory that the Dave manifestation on the island was the smoke monster trying to get Hurley to kill himself as he's a candidate. Spoiler for later season. Sorry. I love Hurley and Libby's kiss and how she demands that he, that he believe this is real. And the little twist at the end that Libby was in Santa Rosa with Hurley and Dave was never real. But was he? Maybe he was always something. I so wanted Hurley to have some happiness with Libby. He does, but it's short-lived. Okay, so that that I saw before I, I did my watch for this week's podcast prep. Okay. So it was in the back of my head. And I, and I even told her, I responded that I never put that together. And, um, and I think that there's something to that. I think that there's something to, because the island has screwed with everybody. Um, in one way or another, which is why I never have understood why when anybody sees something in the jungle and they tell somebody about it, like Hurley did to Charlie or Charlie did to, um, I forget somebody else in a previous episode, they all look at them like they're crazy. And it's like, we have all like the, all of them have experienced it. We've all seen that they've all experienced it. So why are you just discounting everybody's experiences in the crazy jungle. Yeah. Because clearly something's <clears throat> happening that nobody understands. I, I, I just don't understand that. But seeing as we all know Hurley's role at the end of this series, there is a really good case to be made that the smoke monster is using Hurley's visions of Dave and his past of his visions of Dave to get rid of Hurley um, yeah I, I I think again I think there's points to both um I think this is you know a man this could be a manifestation in Hurley's head again because he's losing his freedom but there are kind of points to point to the fact that this could be the island this could be the smoke monster aka Cerberus aka man in black you know however you want to approach it and this is the interesting point that I that I thought about that really made me think that makes me lean more towards the island doing rather than this being in Hurley's head. Um, you know, it, there's there was an interesting thing that happened earlier on in I think back in season one. I don't think it happened in season two. When we go back to when Jack saw his father, saw Christian Shepherd. Mm-hmm. There's two very strong comparisons to Christian Shepherd and Dave. First off, Christian following Shepherd into the jungle, following them into the jungle and leading them to a cliff. Ooh, yeah, you're right. Nice catch. Christian Shepherd did the same thing uh, to to Jack. The other thing, they both lost a shoe. Oh my gosh, you're right. It's like the Cinderella effect. Christian lost a, sh- a loafer, and Dave lost a slipper. Now, did Jack pick up that loafer? 
I don't remember. I want to say yes. I think he did, but I don't remember. I I don't want to guarantee that he did because I don't remember for sure, but I think he did. I'm going to have to go back and look just because, like, here's another thing about this. Anybody that has tactile solution hallucinations like this needs to be at a real hospital with a neurologist and maybe an MRI machine. Um, you know, hallucinations that you can touch and feel is not a good sign for your body. No, I mean, and there are many instances of that, you know, especially with like Dave slapping him, Dave throwing the coconut at him on the island. With the dot, but but the psychologist or psychiatrist knew that he thought he could touch him because he had his arm around him. Oh, I firmly believe what Dave said, and that doctor was a quack. I I believe that that doctor didn't know what the hell he was talking about. I thought he did really well. The doctor? Yes. Yeah, but again, like it, it, it's. He I said, "I'm going to show you a picture of you and Dave." That was a reality check for Hurley. Yeah. Okay. Right, that made that. Hurley. That made Hurley be able to, to walk away from Dave, which I, I I think was needed. And then you know trying to get him to open up about about the porch collapsing. He was gentle. He was coaxing. He was he really tried, and he eventually succeeded in getting Hurley to open up about it. And I thought that that was a really beautiful scene. I've I cried. I've I felt for Hurley in that in that session that he had when he opened up about what happened on the porch. Okay. All right. I I, I take back what I said about the doctor being a quack. <laughs> I take it back. I agree with you. Yay! <laughs> you have changed my mind. That's exciting. I don't change a lot of people's minds, so that's exciting. Uh yeah, so I mean it's just I, again, I think a debate could be made for either point in that whether it's the Hur- it's Hurley's doing, this is in his own mind, or if this is the island's doing. But I mm-hmm. think there are some strong points to the fact that this could potentially be the island doing this. And mm. and I think there are even stronger points, and I'm going to save this for a little bit later because I mentioned to this while we were prepping. Uh, you mentioned the candidacy element of things. Mm-hmm. And I think there are some really – I mean, I can get into it now if you want me to get into it now. Sure. I, go for it. I think there is some strong – and we're going way ahead. We're going to, like, season six territory now. Yeah, so if you don't want to hear about this, then just skip ahead. Uh, but I think there are some strong – I this might be me overanalyzing things again, but I think there are some strong elements of foreshadowing not only to – where this series is going in this episode, but how this series ends in this episode. Lay and, it on me. And it has to do with the accident of the deck collapse and the two people dying. There are two, really, there are three numbers that we have to look at, too. There are two people that died, which, that's unfortunate. Those numbers don't have to, to mean anything. However, mm-hmm. the dock, the deck was built for eight people. But there were 23 on it. These two numbers are very important. Because not only are they two numbers in the sequence of numbers. 8 is Hurley's candidate number. And 23 is Jack's. This deck collapsed under 23. When it was only built for 8. Damn. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Look who they were leading to become the leader of the island, but look who becomes the actual leader of the island by the end of this. The deck was built for eight. The island was built for Hurley, and it collapsed under Jack. And it, yeah. Wow, that, that's very good. I think there are I would like serious... it if that was, I would like it if that was true. <laughs> I would really like it if that was true. If that's coincidental, that is a hell of a coincidence. It's a big coincidence, yeah. I, I'm interested to know if there's any articles that uh, speak more to that. I don't know, but I, like, when I... You should reach out, you should reach out to uh, Damon Lindelof and <clears throat> Lindelof and, um, and Carlton, Carlton Cruz. I would love to do that just to get them on the on the podcast. Well, you should start with you should like start with, with that. This. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cuz I yeah, I'm interested to know if that's um if there's anything to that. Again, if that's a coincidence, that is a hell of a coincidence. Cuz that is one of those things that when I picked up on that, like I seriously got chills. That's very cool. Yeah, my stomach got excited. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's funny to me that there could be potentially foreshadowing for how this series ends in season two. That you... So maybe you could say the doctor wasn't such a quack after all. I already said that. I'm just saying, but even even with that. Well, did you happen to notice what the picture on the wall behind Hurley was when he's sitting in the office? I did not. Doctor? It's an island. Oh, of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. I was just going to flat out guess that, <laughs> but I didn't, so I thought I'd be honest. <laughs> um, I think another – of I, now, this one I did find online. This one's not me, but uh, one of the interesting things I found, too, is that when Hurley is in – this is going back to Hurley's flashbacks again. When he is in the mental institution and he's sitting at the table with Dave and you can hear Leonard in the background spouting the numbers, oh, eight, he, 15, 16, he always says eight at a higher volume than the other numbers. And I've gone back and confirmed this. Anytime he goes over the numbers, eight is always with more emphasis and at a higher volume. Hmm. Which again goes back to Hurley being candidate number eight. That's true. That's interesting. I really like that. I hope that that's true. I really do. I hope that that's true <laughs> because that, that puts it all into a little bit better perspective for sure. Yeah. Especially for the haters out there. So like, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. Like we've we've talked about that before, and that you know there are still people out there that believe they didn't know where they were going with this series. And in the further and further we go in the, in our rewatch and analysis, I I deny that completely. I think they knew. I think they might have got lost every once in a while. No pun intended. But uh, I think they knew how this series was going to wrap. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's nothing like Game of Thrones. <laughs> Fucking threw darts at, you know, at the cast and said, let's go with that. Oh, God. Who should be crazy? Throw a dart. Who should rule? Throw a dart. <laughs> All right, put it together. Don't tell Jason that. I don't care. <laughs> I did tell Jason that. I, know I told you did. everybody that. <laughs> so, but yeah, but that's that's my point when it comes to... I, I think that's pretty much all the notes I have on Dave. That's awesome. I love that. Yeah, I don't I don't have a lot more. Um, I mean, Dave the character, not Dave. the episode. I actually do have one other note. Yeah, I you know, I really 
I really, first of all, I love the actor that plays Dave. I've oh, always loved him um, in everything Evan, that he does. Evan Handler is such he's a... He's fantastic. He's a great character actor. I mean, I've seen him in West Wing and, like, yeah. he, he's he been in a in bunch Sex, of stuff. He was in Sex in the City. Wasn't um, he somebody's husband in Yeah, in he city? was. And he was just so opposite. He was so opposite of who he married in that show. And it was fantastic. Um, he was one of my favorite parts of that show. I was, you know, I'm not very girly. So I watched it with my girl roommates back in college when everybody was obsessed with the show. Mm-hmm. But it never really grabbed me like it grabbed other people. But I liked that character. When he came on that character, I goes, oh, yeah, okay, let's watch this. This is fun. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he was, uh, he was a big character in, uh, in Californication with, um, oh, my God, what the hell is his name? David Duchovny. David Duchovny, yeah. Fox Mulder. Yes. Yeah, he was, I think he was in the entire series run of Californication. Oh, that's cool. I never saw that show. Uh, I've seen a couple episodes. I haven't seen the whole thing, but I've I've seen a couple episodes here and there, and I think he's been in, like, every episode. But he's just a great character actor. That He's a lot of fun to watch as Dave. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Oh, uh, one more thing about Dave. Sure. He did a most excellent job of convincing Hurley that this was all in his head. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I didn't write that down. But there is something about that I wanted to talk about. Because I got to say, at one point, I believed him. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen the show. <laughs> that that interaction between Dave and Hurley, I, I want to say the way it was done, other than just him being extremely convincing, the way that scene was shot... To me, I found both brilliant and awkward at the same time mm. because it's shot in such a way like I don't know if you notice this or not, but anytime the entire time that Dave is giving his explanation, it is a close up of Dave's face like there's nothing else behind Dave like you are meant to concentrate on Dave and what and the words that he is saying. Mm-hmm. But if you notice a lot of the time he is not making eye contact with Hurley. He's looking off screen. Hmm. Like the camera is meant to be Hurley. Like if you watch that scene, you can tell he's looking off somewhere else as he's as he's giving this explanation. I don't know if that's meant to portray something like it because, you know, obviously if somebody's lying, if somebody's telling you the truth, they look you in the eye. And mm. they say it, and the fact That's that true. he's not for most of this conversation, he really only makes eye contact with Hurley maybe three times in that entire explanation. Which is so funny because, alternatively, Ben, the more he lies, the more eye contact he makes. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I just found that interaction extremely awkward in watching that because of the oh, fact that I, he's looking <laughs> off screen. I loved that scene. I don't. I, oh, I, I loved it. It's just yeah. I just <laughs> he was just so convincing. He's like, "What are the numbers, Hurley? Really interesting. What are the numbers of the button that you push? Hmm. Yeah. Don't you think that's weird? Oh, you won the lottery. What numbers did you press for that, buddy? You know. So <laughs> it was just. <laughs> he's like, "Oh, you have to keep putting in the magic numbers, or else the whole world is destroyed. Weird. Like. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and again, like you know, looking at that scene. Some people could argue that, like, this is the islands doing because how would Dave know about the numbers? But then again, you could reverberate that. And if this was in Hurley's head, Hurley knows about the numbers. 
Right, so exactly. If it's a manifestation in his own head, he's going to use his own knowledge. So right. it, it's not really – the fact that Dave knows about the numbers could work in either situation. Yeah, that didn't that didn't bother me. No, me neither. Um, one really – and I, I really hate to be a bummer about you know this too, but this – one of the things that really made me sad about that entire thing and, you know, of Dave kind of kind of pushing Hurley towards the edge of the cliff and almost kind of talking him into committing suicide, it, it was kind of a downer to me because it really made me think about, like, what really goes through the head of somebody who's approaching that moment in their life. Mm. And it really made me, of all people to think about, it made me think of Robin Williams because that, that man, like, you know, he was a hero of mine and... It was a sad situation where, you know, we found out later on that, yes, he did commit suicide, but there was some kind of chemical imbalance that made him do it. Like, and it made me think about what really goes on in the head of somebody before they do this. Because let's just say Hurley had jumped and, you know, committed suicide. What does everybody else think about this? Like, nobody else but Hurley would know what was going on in his head before it happened. So this well, is and isn't that the case for just most people yeah. too that that decide to do that? You know, there is a study that was done for people that jumped off of a bridge or tried to commit suicide um, and lived through it, and um, I think it was like it was a high percentage of people that said as soon as they as soon as they jumped, as soon as they like they laid down or, or, or whatever, they realized that their problems weren't that big and that it was the wrong decision. Yeah. And I thought that that was really interesting. No, I, and I agree with you. It just, again, it made me just kind of contemplate a little bit like what really goes on in the head of somebody before they do that. And I think this, this episode, if nothing else, is a good representation of that. That you, mm-hmm. just, you just really don't know. So that's all. I just wanted to, to kind of bring that up. Okay. Um, I, I don't, I have like maybe two other notes. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. If... I have, uh, the only other thing I have is that I real, you kind of realize in this episode that Ana Lucia has made it to the inner circle and, um, whatever the inner circle is at this point. Right. Um, but she is completely in control of the prisoner situation. She's kind of put on her her cop clothes, her cop jacket, um, and she's taking it seriously. It's almost like she found positive purpose for her role on the island, and she's using it to the best of her ability. Probably a lapse in judgment to let Locke go in there, but Locke made a very good point saying, I've earned, I've earned five minutes with him as he's on his crutches. <laughs> yeah. But um, it, it was interesting. It's interesting to see that Ana Lucia has been traded out for Kate right now, which is just such a bummer that, you know, we can't, we have more than one, you know, we have Jack and Locke and Saeed and, uh, everybody's in there, but we can't have Kate and Ana Lucia be a part of things. Is there a reason for that? I it, it just irks me a little bit because there's no reason why Kate shouldn't also be a part of whatever is happening. Yeah, because you even look at last episode, I don't even really think 
it wasn't until last episode that Kate even knew Ben was in the hatch. Right. So she's been kind of left out of that inner circle ever since Anna Lucia came over. Yep. Even it's kind of bothersome. Even, yeah, kind of even before Anna Anna Lucia was even included in the inner circle, Kate was excommunicated from it. Well, because you know Jack's little feelings were hurt. <laughs> little feelings. Do you, are you talking his, about his feelings or do you mean his, his testicles? Little feelings were hurt. <laughs> Kate might not like him as much as she likes Sawyer. Boo-hoo. <laughs> Ugh. Uh, I hear you, though. <laughs> I really do. It's just, yeah, I, it, it's it's an interesting, and it's it sucks because we're really closing in on that point of the end of her story, and the more, Anna Lucia was never really a character I really liked before this rewatch and now that we're rewatching and we're kind of analyzing things more and we're we're kind of diving deeper into her character mm-hmm. the more i'm actually getting disappointed knowing what happens to her oh uh, i love Ana lucia i i just love i love michelle rodriguez i love Ana lucia i just total total fan and i i hate it that she's not on the show longer yeah hate it hate 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 it I mean, and it's it's kind of it's it's kind of a little refreshing to know that it was meant to happen and not something that I was always led to believe that happened because of things that happened in her personal life. Yeah. Uh, so I guess that's a little bit more comforting to know that this was this was always her character arc, but it still sucks that it happens. Yeah, it's you know it's it, there's a couple of characters, you know, throughout all of television that I think are kind of like that, where you really love their character and they just, they weren't on long enough. I can think of one on the walking dead that I'm thinking of that immediately comes to mind. Um, and he was, uh, he suffered a tragic death in a, uh, turnstile. Oh yeah. And I just didn't think that it was his time to go at all. Um, you know, so there's there's all of these, but I think that that's kind of reminiscent of life. You know, there's a lot of people that die young before their story is told, and it's heartbreaking and it's horrible, but it's kind of what happens sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and, and you know, it's if you don't mind, I kind of want to use this as a jumping point to my final note sure. of the episode. Uh, you know, we're talking about characters whose times are kind of run short on the episode, and I want to make quick mention of the absolute sweetheart that Mr. Echo is. Oh, Echo is back. (laughs) In this episode, because we see him building something, which we are going to find out what that is. I think uh, before the end of the season, we're going to find out what it is. Uh, But I just loved it. He doesn't say he's a man of few words. Uh, As we find out here, there's a time that he doesn't even speak. There's like a number of days. He doesn't even speak earlier on in the season. But even in this episode, when Hurley comes out of the jungle and asks, you know, it's, you know, did anybody see a man in a bathrobe holding a coconut? <laughs> of course, Charlie makes a sarcastic remark. No, but I saw a polar bear on rollerblades holding a, holding a, uh, a mango. Hurley, Echo is such a sweetheart in the fact that he just walks by and just kind of in, in few words comforts Hurley a little bit in saying, I, I, I didn't see anything. Like, all he did was answer his question earnestly, 
by saying, no, I, I didn't see anything in, in such like I a know. gentle tone that like, I'm so bummed. And as I was before about what happens to his character. I know. I, yes, yes. Because his is a story arc that ends way too soon. Way too soon. Ugh. I did, I did love, I did love <laughs> Mr. Echo. It was good to see him again. Yeah, but I, th- that's really, that's kind of everything I have. With the exception yep. of that final moment of the episode, that's all the notes that I have for this episode. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, do we want to mention that final moment then? I, we kind of talked about it a little bit already, but, you know, we get to see that uh, in an interesting... Another connection has been made. <laughs> in that Libby was a patient in the mental institution. Which is, uh, I think, something we've mentioned in the past before too. But it's very, yeah. in- it's very interesting that the episode ends in a flashback uh, instead of back on the island. Uh, and as you mentioned during the series prep or during the episode prep, uh, is something that I don't think is ever uh, ever talked about again. I think we know she's yeah. a patient, but I think that's the last we ever get of it. Yeah, I hope. I hope we're wrong on that. I hope that maybe we've just forgotten. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's I love the fact that there's stuff we don't remember. Even Me having too. watching the, even having watched this series like three or four times. I know, but it's been a really long time. Yeah. So well, if you don't have anything else, then I think that we should just move on to our feedback section. Uh we do encourage everybody to write in, leave a voicemail, say hello you could do it on facebook you do it on instagram um so we're just going to list out those ways really fast sure uh first off we are on facebook at facebook.com slash lost revisited we're on instagram at lost revisited pod you can email us at lost revisited pod at gmail.com and if you want to leave a message, you can record it yourself and you can send it in to our email address, which uh, Steve Brown does every single week, which we totally appreciate. We have a voicemail for him uh, right now. Hello, Ben and Kristen. This is Steve. And uh, I just want to give you a few notes on on Dave, uh, lost episode. I'm probably not going to watch it again. I, I like the episode. It's not one of my favorite, not because it's not a good episode, it's amazing uh it just there's some things that trigger in it for me and uh so i, I and i had forgotten to be honest I, i'd completely forgotten about this episode until it started airing and uh, then the things started coming up and uh so um really the the two biggest things for me were just uh it just broke my heart when day was taunting um Curly about his relationship with Libby and that whole thing of, of oh yeah and she likes you it just it it just cut me to the quick it's one of those uh, scenes that really just bothered me and uh, also just the, the the reveal of the accident that uh, Hurley caused because no matter how long you go if you even in an accident, if you cause the death of another human being, it's uh, it's powerful. And uh, so 
that's all I got for this one. I can't wait to hear what you guys thought. I'm sure there's going to be a lot uh, about this episode. Of course, the big reveal of Libby being in the hospital with him at the end and just wishing that we could have got more of that relationship because I think there was really something something great there that we could have seen. It's unfortunate that off-screen things um, robbed us of that relationship. Uh, anyway, talk to you later. Oh, Steve. Steve, I love the way that you feel things deeply. And and I'm appreciative, as I'm sure you are, too, of the fact that, you know, even though he feels those things, he still leaves us feedback. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I I love it. I love it. And I, I, I like it that you allow yourself to be vulnerable, Steve. So thank you so much for, for sharing that. Yeah, Cause, absolutely. Um. Because, yeah, I, I, I think that Hurley's self-esteem is a big factor of this episode, a big factor of this episode. Maybe we didn't give it enough enough coverage uh, in this episode, but, you know, the, the best thing about Hurley is that, you know, he ends up being such a strong character, and he continues to persevere, and he continues to grow. Uh, he's one of the characters that does actually grow over the series you know a lot of a lot of characters remain stunted i think so it uh, any hurley centric episode is always good for me i loved loved this episode it's one of my favorites so yeah no and and i agree with you completely this is a, a fantastic episode it's it's kind of one as we mentioned a little bit towards the top kind of stands alone a little mm-hmm. bit uh, mm-hmm. as, as there really was point. you know there was no previously on and and such and and i can understand you know steve's point as to why you know there's things in this that could affect different people a little bit differently uh, mm-hmm. and i think we kind of touched on that a little bit you know with my point making comparisons to robin williams and, and such mm-hmm. so um yeah, yeah it's just it, it's a great episode uh, we understand you know from people like steve's point of view that kind of it's not a favorite but they still think it's a powerful episode Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice to see even, you know, 10, 10 years ago, 12 years ago that, you know, uh, they were being they were still making cutting edge content. Right. That That's kind of mental illness is not something that we have talked about openly as a society for for too long. So that was still kind of considered to be a taboo subject. It's not so much anymore. I think we're all uh, we've made really great strides. Um, in talking about mental illness, in our, especially in our country, uh, with veterans and with, you know, cons- in consideration of a lot of uh, school and uh, school shootings and, and government building shootings and nightclub shootings. And, uh, you know, there's just a lot, there's a lot that we now feel that we can talk about. And it's nice to see what the early, the early, um, content was and i i think that this was this was one of them yeah i agree with that too and and on that note too i want to and i hope you don't mind me doing this but mm-hmm. you know we we talked a little bit about like suicide and and things like that and i i just want to personally say and i'm sure i can speak for you on this that if mm-hmm. any of our listeners are ever feeling like you're going that route i feel bad for taking this kind of a turn but i feel like it needs to be said after some of the topics that we've talked about that if, if you feel like you, you're in that kind of a crisis, please reach out to somebody, even if it's myself or Kristen, you know, through messages on Facebook or whatever. 
or if you're that down in despair, you can always reach out to the prevention hotline, uh, which is 1-800-273-8255. So. Nice. We'll put that in the show notes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, but that is going to do it for this week. Uh, next week, we are covering Season 2, Episode 19, S.O.S. It's a Rosen Bernard episode. I'm so excited. I, I really am excited about this one. I do. I love Rosen Bernard, and I love it that Bernard gets a hair up his ass to even do this. So <laughs> it's really fun. Um, and just like we do with every episode at the end we do ask that you check out our other podcasts at the next level network and on podcastica ben what do you have coming up well uh we are officially in our summer episodes of the dc primetime podcast in which uh this past episode we just did we did our reviews of uh the new swamp thing series which just debuted on dc streaming universe which was amazing uh it's straight up it's a horror television series which means you'll never watch it nope um but it was it's so well done i can't wait to see the next nine episodes of the series but on top of that we also talked about the latest from warner brothers animated movies which is batman versus the teenage mutant ninja turtles which was so much fun to watch. Uh, I will say, though, uh, if by chance anybody out there decides to show it to their kids, use discretion. There is some moments of death in the in an animated movie, which is surprising, uh, of like there is a beheading in, oh. in the series. It's done off screen, but you kind of see the head fall on screen. Uh, so there are one or two moments which are very questionable for younger kids to take yeah. forewarning of that. But it brought back so much nostalgia of like the 1990s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies. It was just so much fun to watch. That's awesome. Yeah. And then these next couple weeks, we're doing our what we call our annual episodes where we take each of the four shows. We focus on one of them each week. And we talk about our favorite and least favorite moments, characters, and episodes of the series. Cool. So, uh, But you've got something going on now. House Podcastica is taking a new turn. Yes, House Podcastica is going to Gilead because I don't have enough misery in my life. <laughs> so we will be... <laughs> We will be covering The Handmaid's Tale, Season 3. Uh, it starts, actually, the first three episodes are already up on Hulu. And we're going to cover uh, an episode a week. We might cover all three episodes. We might cover two episodes the first two weeks just to catch up with the timeline because they are going to put out the fourth episode uh, June 12th. So I'm going to kind of play with that a little bit and see see what is healthy uh, to cover just because it's such a heavy show. Uh, Strange Indeed is about to cover Black Mirror on Netflix. Um, I actually might watch that this season because uh, I kind of liked uh, Bandersnatch when that came out, the Choose Your Own Adventure yeah. Black Mirror episode. I thought that was very cool. And we, Podcast actually has a new podcast. It's a joint venture, uh, but... Uh, um, our friend Derek O'Neill, who has been on House Podcastica before, for anybody that has listened to my podcast, uh, he and his buddy John, I believe, are going to be covering or have covered or are in the midst yeah, I, I think of covering Good Omens. Yeah, I think there's three episodes of their podcast out already. Cool. Yeah, they are a lot of fun. They're two Irish guys, uh, so it's a lot of Irish goodness. Um, <laughs> 
and they're a lot of fun. They're they're really really good podcasters. I highly recommend checking them out. Um, and they're a new podcastica show. And if you haven't watched Good Omens, it is wonderful. Oh, cool! It is I have so not. good. It's it's a great series. It's based off a book by uh, by Neil Gaiman and oh um, Terry God Bradshaw. No, not Terry. Kittles? Not Terry Bradshaw. Jeffords? No. Um, oh, God. It's going to... Cruz? No. Oh, God. A, a book by Terry Cruz would be fantastic. <laughs> um, no, it's... Um, oh, my God. Uh, Terry Pratchett. Terry Pratchett is okay. the is the, uh, the author. And this is a series that they've been wanting to make for, like, 30 years. And there's such a great story behind it because these two authors kind of... And I'm sure Derek and, and his friend talk about this, too. But they, uh, you sound like you were going to say something. No, I was just going to say Amazon's doing it, right? Yeah, it's, it's an Amazon series. Amazon makes great content. They do. but the, Great the, content. The reason why this series is so great is because, like, they 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 wanted to make this a series for, like, 30 years, because that's how long the book's been out. And, unfortunately, Terry Pratchett passed away before they had an opportunity to do it. So, Neil Gaiman made a promise to him that he would. And Terry Pratchett had always said that he would be there front row, like with a bag of popcorn to enjoy it when it debuts. And so when they actually did the red carpet screening for it, they put Terry Pratchett's hat, scarf and a bag of popcorn in a seat in the front row. So he was there in spirit. And it's six episodes. It's only going to be six episodes. There's not going to be a season two. It's literally like a one and done miniseries. But I've, I'm already a couple episodes in, and it's so wonderful. It's so good. Awesome. Awesome. Cool. Yeah, so that's what I got. That's what you got. So let's close it out, and we'll see everybody next week. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye.